welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Tim, for getting together for this conversation and for being a guest on the podcast. My pleasure. And I'll try to introduce you a little bit, but I'll let you kind of tell a little bit about yourself, too. So I, um, so you're a member, like you're a staff member of CREW, right? Correct. Um, and what does CREW stand for? It's, um, it doesn't stand for anything. So the, the, the parent organization is Campus Crusade for Christ International. And so CREW is the name, for short, kind of the name of the U.S. ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ International. Okay. And I've met you through um, a discipleship program where men get together and um, you're you're a part of organizing that. Um, it's like basically groups of four, right? And they go through a book by Greg Ogden uh, called Discipleship Essentials, and you've been involved with that, right? Correct. Yes. Yes, men agree to get together weekly for two years in groups of three or four. And when they enter into that, they are um, they agree or they're strongly encouraged that they would consider after that two years to continue it on by inviting other men to do it with them. Yeah. yeah. How um, I'm just how many really do go ahead and um, when the the group breaks up, they form their own groups and the groups multiply. The, the majority or less than that or I would say um, with each cycle I would say um, about half so it's uh, averaging it's kind of you know some guys will invite two or three guys to do it with them and some guys will choose to not participate anymore or some guys will choose uh, to participate again but they're not really um, they don't feel ready to lead their own group and by leading a group, it's mostly facilitating a group. Yeah. But some men will choose to continue on um, as, for lack of a better word, a participant rather than the one who's facilitating the group. And so I would say it's about um, the, we have kind of a 50% uh, uh, add from the previous previous cycle. Okay. And um, 50% as in like, people the disciples becoming disciplers in other words yeah well I mean? no was, um so if we had let's say um a half dozen years ago if we had 50 men we would um have about 100 year 100 men two years later okay. so that the number of uh, men in groups i see yep so actually nice no, i shouldn't say that 75 men or, 75. yeah so the 50 percent growth so okay. not double Okay. Um, and then what's kind of the history of this? Like, when did it get started and how has it grown and what, what does that look like over the years? Yeah, so um, I work closely with a pastor at Chesterfield Presbyterian Church. His name is Jeff Loney. And Jeff, uh, an important part of his life story is personal discipleship. And so, you know, I would describe... Um, that two-year thing that we're doing, we call it the discipleship journey. And so I would say, um, just a quick aside, the discipleship is a, you know, is our growth in Christ-likeness. And then personal discipleship is the more close, uh, close type of discipleship. So Paul with Timothy, 
Paul and Barnabas, um, Jesus with the twelve, or even the three. Um, so we we talk about personal discipleship. So Jeff, personal discipleship is a big part of his story and mine as well. But he uh, started maybe about 15 years ago meeting with a couple men at a McDonald's, and um, they met regularly for uh, between two and three years, and then um, it got to the point where he suggested that each of them then invite some other men to do to do the same thing uh, with them, and yeah, it's just continued to uh, uh, grow from there. And it started off so both of those men were uh, part of his home church, but now it's uh, grown to where men have invited uh, men from other churches, and other churches uh, have kind of adopted. Uh, um, the method for their own churches. And so, um, yeah, so it started with Jeff um, maybe about 15 years ago. Okay. Was he a pastor at the time? At, yes. Okay. Yes. He, and he's um, he wears many different hats at Chesterfield um, Presbyterian, but one of, them, one of them is directing the men's ministry. And okay. so, um, you know, the same, the same method uh, can be and is used by women, but uh, the, pe- the people specifically involved with the discipleship journey, as it currently stands, are men. So, Yeah. And about how many people are involved, like what has it grown to? I guess um, a lot of people have been involved who are not involved now. So um, I don't know. Like how many people have gone through it, do you think? A total number of men that have gone through it? Um, I would say several hundred uh, we, you know, uh, COVID was an interesting time and mm-hmm. it actually, um, I don't know if anybody still likes zoom these days, but, uh, meeting via zoom for some men, uh, was a good option. Um, but it was, a, it was a challenging time. So we did, uh, lose a number of guys through that, that time period. Um, you know, I actually, you know, there's kind of men doing it all over the place right now. So I would say it's maybe about 150 men in different locations doing uh, the discipleship journey. Um, and then other men have taken the method and made it their own, that they've uh, kind of uh, adopted the, the style and some of the bones and fleshed it out in a way that's uh, consistent with their personality and their, and their context, which is great. Yeah. And then there's, besides the Discipleship Essentials book, track, there's also other things like, it's called Behold, and then different, yes. which goes through different books of the yeah. Bible. So we have three different tracks. Um, and so Discipleship Essentials, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the book, it's um, it goes through, there's 20, 24 themes or chapters, for lack of a better word, that are kind of the essentials of the Christian faith. And so um, the men spend a month on each of those. And um, and it's really good at kind of the essentials <laughs> essentials of the faith. Um, and so a lot of men still use that, and it's great. And men have gone through it multiple times. Um, and there's some men that were just looking to do something different. And also some men who were interested in doing something that a little bit maybe engaged um, the heart a little bit more like what's uh, 
kind of processing how's the gospel affect my everyday life. Uh, um, and so one of the options is a, called New, Mer- New Morning Mercies, which is based on a Paul Tripp uh, daily devotional book. And so with that one, the men are encouraged to read um, that devotional and then process uh, what's the, the bad news or fallen condition of the human condition. How do they share in that specifically in their life right now? What's the good news that that um, that's being uh, unveiled in the in the devotional? Uh, you know, what's the truth of about God or the gospel um, that meets that fallen condition? And then how is that applicable to their lives right now? And so, really thinking about how does the gospel, how's the good news of what Jesus has done, uh, how does it land? where I'm at right now in my life. And so they're encouraged to do that daily, um, but then there's one one of the dates per week that the men then discuss when they get together each week. And so that's uh, what they do. And then the third track is called Behold, and it is based on um, men are going through Scripture uh, at a very... Um, slow pace that way they can really digest what they're reading and as opposed to trying to get through the bible in a year or something like that which is which is great uh, this one they're they're reading about a paragraph of scripture each each day and then going through those same questions what is the fallen condition what's the bad news about uh, the human condition and then what's the good news in the in the in that uh in that passage and how does that apply to my life right now? And so it starts off in John, Romans, Psalms, and uh, several other books. But so just when they get together, they're doing that daily. But then each week, um, the men are discussing a um, a passage that's been marked that uh, for discussion. So they're going to discuss a specific passage and how it relates to their lives uh, that that week. Yeah, I think. Um Besides these different things, giving some structure to the group and some material, so when you get together, you you have some direction about like what to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of gives a um, beginning point and an end point, which is kind of helpful because uh, otherwise, uh, it seems like a small group might get together or a couple of people, and it just you know it's not going to go forever so it just kind of at some point maybe just kind of dwindle away which is um i don't know a little disheartening maybe um but this otherwise with some structure it's like well you get to the end and then you've accomplished something and you can decide to start again and do it again or you can um do it with somebody else or something like that but anyway just some framework some structure seems to be helpful yeah I, I completely agree. And from other conversations, I know you're familiar with the book, The Trellis and the Vine, but that is, um, for those who might not be familiar with it, uh, the concept is that um, there is a valid and good trellis work that um, structure support uh, that promotes or assists uh, the, the growth of the vine. And so ideally, you don't want um, your trellis being and I think maybe this is often the case uh, with American Christianity as it stands uh, huge buildings, lots of programs lots of structure 
and then the vine, the the gospel, um, personal disciple making growth, can be a, a tiny little vine sometimes. Um, at the same time, uh, having some trellis is good. It actually helps the vine, and so to try to um, keep the trellis uh, in step with where the vine's at, um, neither too big nor too, or not too much or too little, I think is a is a really uh, I think a really good insight by those authors. And then, how did you get involved in all of this? Yeah, so great question. So, um, start I uh, personally, you know, like I mentioned, uh, personal disciple making and uh, personal discipleship are part of my story. Um, I came to college uh, not walking with the Lord. Um, a uh, a student a year older than me kind of took me under his wing and uh, really helped me understand what it meant to walk with the Lord and to meet with the Lord uh, daily and those sorts of things. I didn't I didn't know the word discipleship at the time, but that's what he was doing with me. And um, you know that that experience was uh, a, you know an important part of me ending up going into vocational ministry after college and working with college students for uh, 17 years before what I'm currently doing. And, you know, discipleship's always been, uh, you know, important part of what's on my heart. Um, but we actually, we moved uh, where we lived in St. Louis. And as part of that move, we landed um, at Chesterfield Presbyterian Church. And so I actually met Jeff and uh, quickly found out that we shared that passion, and he invited me into his into his discipleship group. And so they've been already been going for about a year, uh, but he invited me in, and um, I was immediately impressed by um, just the vulnerability in the group and uh, the desire to like really um, assist one another. You know, the the commitment to get together weekly. You know, and just uh, uh, and with it being a, an, uh, just a few people, really an opportunity for lots of discussion and uh, sharing of life and what is the how does how does the faith bear on uh, my life right now? So I was immediately uh, impressed because I hadn't actually so even though I'd seen discipleship um, work well in the college setting. I uh, just wasn't familiar with um, seeing many, and I, I know that it, it has, but I just hadn't personally encountered, um, and there, there were men at other tables meeting at the same time. I just hadn't seen uh, discipleship like that, uh, where it was just going really well, work with adult men. And so that was one of the things that immediately impressed me, and I realized just in my own life I was um, personally uh, doing discipleship with college-age men, which is great, um, but I also wasn't, uh, I wasn't really benefiting from uh, doing that with men who are closer to my own age, uh, kind of similar chapter in life, and so, uh, yeah, immediately it was this obvious that uh, it was a good thing for me, and it was very clearly something that the Lord was uh, blessing lots of other men with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as far as your own start with Christianity, was that from your home uh, growing up? Yeah, so I grew up, 
uh, thank the Lord, grew up in a Christian home and um, came to faith as a um, as a child, and um, you know, some ups and downs with that. But by the time I um, by the by the time I came to St. Louis to come to Washington University in St. Louis, um, I you know my faith was not very strong and so kind of that that transition and being in a difficult place um you know there wasn't much uh individual um foundation so i think a lot of my christian experience which was a good thing been with my youth group and at church but i didn't have much of a personal um my personal walk with the lord hadn't developed very much and so um, I went through a tough season, as I alluded to earlier, as I started off college. And um, it wasn't until college that I really um, felt like I started to learn to a greater degree what it meant to walk with the Lord personally and uh, to meet with Him uh, daily and those sorts of things. Yeah. So um, I guess like... Um there's these things like um, that we do like read the Bible and pray and stuff like that but what is your um, walk with the Lord like and from an experiential type of way um, anything that you've learned along the way you know more about who God is and um, what the relationship with him is like oh wow that's such a big question um, and I love the question yeah, I think, um, I think the thing that it's really easy for me to underestimate, and perhaps all people, is just the extent that the Lord wants to be in a personal relationship with us, and He wants us to meet with Him. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I can't remember who said it, but really the, the story of Scripture is the Lord pursuing a relationship with people. And, um, and that's just, you know, it's, it's really, once you start seeing, kind of put those, put those glasses on as you read scripture, uh, you know, it might be easy otherwise to kind of take it, take it for granted that the, the Lord of the universe actually cares about having a relationship with Tim Dorsch. Um, but it's just really evident, um, all throughout scripture and, you know, as, as Revelation 3.20, that, that Jesus is at, at the door, uh, standing and knocking, that if we uh, were to open the door, that he wants to come in and eat with us. And I know that that passage is often used in an evangelistic context, but, you know, with it being written to um, the church, it really is, uh, it's really true that as a believer, that Jesus is wanting on a daily basis for me to to experience relationship with him and that he's even when I'm um, not trusting him not thinking about him uh, uh, or whatever might be the case busy that he is uh, that he, his desire is to relate to me and so you know I uh, I think um, the spiritual disciplines uh, of uh, reading scripture and praying, um, you know, I, I think when I was a younger Christian, I thought of those as like um, 
all right, these are the things I have to do. And I know if I'm going to be a good Christian, then I need to do these things. Um, and we are commanded to do those things, but really those things are an opportunity um, to, to meet with the Lord. And it's uh, an exciting opportunity. And um, uh, one author, David Mathis, uh, has, has, he says he prefers, instead of the term spiritual discipline, habits of grace. And I really, to think of them as habits that we're developing that are grace-based and um, not legalistic. You know, the Lord doesn't love me more if I read scripture. Uh, but it is an opportunity as I'm building that habit to experience his love more and to connect with him. And so I, I would say um, it's just been... I'm still still in process with growing in that way. Um, but man, just the, the, the fruit of connecting with the Lord, um, hopefully each day, has been, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's been uh, hugely important in my life and just, and my experience of Him and my growth, uh, growth in Christ, uh, as, as broken as I still am, um, you know, that, uh, just really benefited from uh, from those ways of connecting with the Lord. Yeah. So, um, so that God wants relationship with us, and He always has. He's pursuing that. Um, and lately, I've been just thinking about suffering and trying to kind of come up with like a, an understanding, a doctrine of suffering, and you know, how it's, what is it, how it's approached and stuff like that. So everything I'm hearing sometimes, I'm just thinking, that's in the background, I'm just thinking, how does that fit? And I I guess what we need to understand is like God pursuing us and wanting a relationship and then him um, allowing suffering in the world are not like exclusive. Um, Like, I guess one thing I've been thinking about lately is um, maybe the suffering's even for us intentional like perhaps when he said to the woman you're going to have anguish and raising up children and to the man that the ground is cursed and now you're going to have to toil that perhaps that's all not just that's not punishment perhaps it's for our own sake and that's just what we need because um, it just takes hard stuff like this like that to um, for us to look to him and pursue him and so um, do you have any thoughts about like suffering I guess it seems biblical like uh, New Testament writers talk about being grateful for suffering you know Mm -hmm. consider it all joy right you know so um, seems like there's a connection there with God pursuing us wanting us and then him allowing suffering um, and us just to, you know, not removing that suffering from us and just allowing us to experience it, you know? Yeah. No, I completely agree with what you're saying. And yet it's, um, it's everywhere in scripture, like you said, just that, that God wants to use suffering to draw us to himself and to make us more like him. And as much as we don't like it, um, oftentimes that, you know, his, as, uh, 
like with my own sons, like I, I, I don't want to make them unnecessarily uncomfortable or, um, un, you know, uh, yeah, uncomfortable is a good word, but I, I care more about, uh, who they are and their character and that they would have a good life more than their comfort. So there's times where, um, you know, a good father would uh, be in favor of uncomfortable things if it's helping a greater good. And just to realize that our Heavenly Father, uh, similarly, that He wants to use um, difficult things in a, uh, to, to shape us and, and uh, to be more like Him, but also to experience the abundant life. So in John 10, where Jesus is talking about the abundant life, that He's not talking about an easy life, but that it is better, it is good, and that part of that abundant life involves suffering the sight of heaven. And, you know, it's difficult to trust in that, and um, but to understand that uh, the Lord's not you know, I think especially as those who uh, believe in Christ, that our conception of God is that he's not um, cold-hearted about suffering or uh, that he, you know, with Jesus coming and suffering the way that he did, uh, you know, that he, he knows what it is to suffer and that he has, um, so when we're suffering, suffering, we know that he can sympathize with the difficulty of that um but you know he i guess his his uh, god's view of suffering is such that he was willing to do it um because of his care for us and so that's that's of great encouragement too and so yeah i i completely agree with what you're saying and in in fact i i remember the first time i heard a sermon about suffering uh it was on a cassette tape <laughs> Uh, actually, I think I heard it in person first and then listened to it again on cassette tape. Um, it was all about suffering. It was a John Piper sermon. And um, I just hadn't heard that. Uh, I don't remember hearing that in my church growing up. Um, and that, you know, the I think the pastors there taught the Bible, but maybe not those passages. <laughs> and so I just remember, uh, you know, that just kind of my mind being kind of uh, blown that like, oh, wow, this is like clearly biblical that the Lord wants to use suffering uh, again to make us more like him and to, to experience the abundant life. Yeah. It's a little hard to figure out because we're not to look for suffering. And yet when um, it comes our way, we're to maybe think of it favorably. And yet, and God it's purposeful in God's plan, and yet He's not cold-hearted about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of kind of different things. Yeah, a lot of to, nuance. Yeah. And actually, my discipleship group um, that I'm personally involved with, uh, we were talking about this very theme yesterday. And, you know, um, so I mentioned Paul Tripp earlier. He has a book on suffering. And one of the things that he says in the book is that when we, when we suffer we not only suffer the thing that that's causing the suffering, but we suffer the way that we're suffering. And I haven't read the book, but uh, at least what that makes me think of is that 
um, there is, or one of the things I, and we're actually in Exodus 6, where um, the Israelites are suffering from this uh, slavery to the Egyptians, and the Lord, there's several verses of him offering encouragement that he's with them, that he's going to take care of them. And then in verse 9, it says, uh, but they did not listen because of the harsh slavery and their broken spirit. And I think that's a really good, so uh, given what Paul Tripp's saying about suffering, I think the harsh slavery uh, that there is, that is, uh, was the catalyst for their suffering. And so there'd be understandable anguish, sadness, um, you know, things that are lamentable about being in that situation. Um, and so in my own life, similarly, there are difficult things. There are, there are things uh, that are challenging and part of living in a broken world and being around other people who are also broken. And uh, so understandable sadness and disappointment and discouragement, um, things that are worth lamenting. Um, but then the second thing to have the broken spirit. And so I think that the, the way that we suffer those things can turn, uh, can, can become a negative thing. And so, you know, the Lord's desire was that their spirit would not be broken, but they, that they would trust him, that he wanted to take care of them. And so sometimes I add to my own suffering by, uh, added anxiety, added stress, uh, a, a lack of trusting the Lord as I'm suffering, um, uh, worry, complaining, uh, uh, unjust anger. So sometimes my suffering is a mixture of uh, the things that are understandable and that the Lord uh, would, uh, you know, that He has ordained that I would experience. Um, and I guess kind of a the suffering the way that Jesus would have suffered. But then I can add add to my suffering by uh, the, the way that I, if, I up, if I suffer in a way that's not in the way that God wants me to, then I'm compounding my suffering with a broken spirit, anxiety, etc. cetera. Um, and so, yeah, um, I know that's not exactly what you're asking about, but it just, it is complex, the, mm-hmm. um, the things that are, the different uh, facets of suffering, the way that we experience it. Yeah. Like, instead of, sometimes instead of, like, running from suffering or trying to avoid it, perhaps there's times where we um, should just accept it as God's will for us at the time and uh, consider it a way to serve the Lord by how we trust Him in it and so forth. And I think we'll all come to that, well, if we live long enough, we come to the point where, that's the only way we're going to be really serving the Lord because we're kind of, you know, we're, our body is just kind of crumbling away to the dust. So at some point we're more going to be dependent and weak and it's just um, our service into the Lord is just in trusting him in our suffering, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Psalms in particular are really helpful for um, a picture of the way, the way we should suffer. And are, you know, should be prescriptive for us that I think that perhaps the biggest question when we suffer 
is are we coming to God with that suffering or not? And I think it can be encouraging we see the just the broad range of emotions that the psalmists are coming to the Lord in difficult situations and just very raw, sometimes raw emotion. And, um, you know, and the, I think knowing that that's... Uh, that God wanted that to be part of Scripture is really helpful. That that He wants us, He understands uh, how we're feeling and wants us to come with Him, or wants us to come to Him, uh, rather than I think what's often the case. We experience challenges and difficulties and things that might cause us to suffer, and we don't come to Him, and that can lead, or can or does lead to that second type of suffering where it's compounding. And, um, you know, most of the Psalms, not all of them, but most of them, when there's suffering in the Psalm, usually there's a transition to uh, a statement of trust or, you know, yet I will trust you. And I love that combination of this is where I'm at. This is where I think that's what it means to lament, to come to come to the Lord with our suffering rather than to grumble. And uh, whether kind of the Israelites in Scripture or the way that I often, <laughs> I can often relate to suffering is to grumble and complain and not come to the Lord with how I'm feeling um, makes things worse and as not, uh, not what he wants us to do with our suffering. He wants us to come to him. He wants it to be an opportunity to grow, to, to learn to trust him better. Um, to experience that he's going to provide for us exactly what we need, um, that his mercies are fresh every morning. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the Psalms in particular are really helpful with how we can uh, process our suffering. So let me ask you about evangelism. So with discipleship, you know, it's like someone who's interested in Jesus. They know Jesus or they're interested in him. And it's just a matter of, okay, well, let's get together. We'll do this, that, and so forth. And it's kind of laid out. And then with those who are outside of the faith, it's um, it's easy enough just to talk with them, be f- friends, talk about things. But if there's, and it's, it's, it's not that hard just to put out the invitation, say, you know, I'm doing this or that. I, I'm a part of this group. Is this something you're interested in? But if they are, um, if they're not, then, you know, for me, um, there's nowhere else to go. You know, I'm not sure, you know, they're not interested, they're not interested. Mm -hmm. So um, do you have any thoughts about um, uh, just um, evangelism or just the way we interact with outsiders, just making the most of the time, or I don't know, just any thoughts along that? Yeah, no, I love the question. Um, Yeah, I, you know, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is uh, hugely helpful as we think about what does it mean to be, so the the call to go and make disciples. Um, So I really, you know, uh, my, my, you know, I'd say one of my life passions is disciple making, and I think that includes both evangelism and discipleship, and that's clear from that Matthew 28 uh, passage. Uh, And so, yeah, I think the the big 
I think the big question, or I guess there's lots of, <laughs> several big questions, but the, the end of that passage in Matthew 28, the, the promise that Jesus is with us always, um, I think is, as I think about, uh, you know, that's what uh, motivates and empo- can empower evangelism, is that I'm, that, um, well, first of all, you know, that, that God want again, God's pursuing people, that he wants them to have a relationship with him and that he wants us to be a part of that process uh, is, is kind of astounding if you think about it just the, that he wants to include us in that but then has, that he's promised to be with us um, as, we, as we have those small little conversations or as we're looking for opportunities to have those conversations with the non-Christians around us and I think that's what um, as we so you know, as I think about my own, um, I think about evangelism in my own life, you know, am I, am I, uh, do I, do I want to be faithful <laughs> to, uh, to what scripture is calling me to do? Um, you know, is my experience of the gospel, uh, good news to me right now? Is this something that, so therefore do I actually want this for other people in my life? Like, is my experience, of um, what the Lord has done for me such that I'm motivated to want that for other people um, am I praying for opportunities to as you said to to have those types of conversations um, do I have do I you know I think oftentimes um, sadly we as uh, followers of Jesus can be so busy with life and church activities and such that we don't have uh, uh, meaningful relationships with non-Christians. And so am I looking for opportunities to develop relationships with non-Christians? Um, and I think that's a big part of a big part of evangelism is, you know, are there people that, that I have a heart for who aren't, who aren't um, currently uh, followers of Jesus that I would want that for them and can pray for them by name and be looking for those opportunities uh, to have conversations with them, and then you know I think um, you know there's there's a phrase called spiritual conversations, uh, which I really like. Basically, am I prayerfully looking for natural opportunities to discuss life and things of faith with people, and um, you know there might be some people that would define evangelism as only the explaining the, the bones of the gospel, you know, the Romans road, the, um, God, God loves you. You've sinned. Jesus died for you. You can place your faith in him now. Um, but I think there, if we expand our idea of evangelism to, uh, any steps of faith that were prayerfully empowered by the spirit, to, you know, hopefully, and it's the Lord's work to help move this person uh, further along in that path of coming to faith. And, um, you know, really, you know, and especially, I think especially these days, uh, people aren't often ready to hear just the, hear the, um, the bones of the gospel and um, put their faith in him. You know, put, put their faith in God. So there's a lot of um, 
a lot of uh, working conversation uh, to, to be had before that before that moment. And so just looking for those opportunities, praying for them, uh, having relationships with people that um, where it would be, you know, natural in some sense. I think oftentimes it still takes a step of faith to, to bridge to, um, you know, to talking about things of faith. Um, sometimes the Lord will give us very natural opportunities or sometimes he might uh, prompt us that we should go ahead and ask a more specific question related to faith. And both, both are fine. So, yeah, it's uh, obviously a, a, there's a lot of things we could talk about related to evangelism, but those are some of my thoughts kind of off the top of my head. Sometimes it seems like the bones of the gospel are don't register at all to an unconverted person. Like you can put it out just as clearly and plainly and it almost, um, it's just like almost invisible. You know, they just come back with a works mentality or something or just don't see it somehow. But, um, but um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about the gospel, of course. <laughs> right, yes. And, um, and it doesn't mean that God's not going to use it and so forth. But, you said something about God pursuing people, like, you know, well, we talked about him pursuing us. I think, um, for me, if I um, thought the person across from me, that God is pursuing him, that would make a big difference for me. Um, if I had that confidence, um, so even if he's not interested, and I'm thinking, but God's interested in him, or her, um, then it's not up to me just to drop it. You know, God's still interested, and he's still active, and he can still do things, um, and I shouldn't just dismiss that person and, well, he's not interested, so let's just talk about baseball or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but is, I guess, um, so do you think that's uh, biblical, and that we can have confidence that whoever we're talking to, um, God is actively pursuing. He wants that person. He's, you know, he's interested. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think, so in Galatians 5, it talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. And so I think oftentimes we, you know, we want a method or just give me the steps Um but really, each relationship, each conversation is uh, our, our, you know, the goal should be to, to be, to keep in step with the Spirit. Um, and there could be a time that someone isn't currently, does not want to have a conversation about anything related to faith. And we should honor that. Like, we shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, no, we're going to have this conversation right now. Right. And, and uh, that would be more, it would be uh, not helpful and could be even damaging. Um, but that does not mean abandoning relationship with the person or looking for ways to love them or uh, and for certain, certainly not to, to quit praying for them. Uh, that's something that the Lord continued to, to move in their heart. Um, and so, you know, praying that they would come to faith, you know, so I think, you know, we, uh, we can't, um, we can't always force the issue, 
Um, but as you said, I do think it's helpful just to, to believe that the Lord, uh, that, his des- that his desire is to have a relationship with this person. And if they, if they don't, it's not, not from a lack of from his pursuit. It is uh, their rejection of him as opposed to uh, his, his rejection of them. And so, um, yeah, I think it, I think it's for sure it's, it can be helpful just to to make sure we're not underestimating um, that God does does want a relationship with people. Okay. Um, well, here's just a, a couple of things. Well, one thing I jotted down when I was just thinking about us getting together and talking. Um, just thought I'd ask you. Uh, any thoughts you might have about making the most of church like there's um, you know to me it seems like it's the type of thing like it's what you make of it Um, I think of the military I was in the military for a few years and like you can get into the military and you can just kind of skate through or you can take advantage of things and you know it's what you pour into it and it seems like church is like that too you can just be an attender and uh, enjoy the experience of corporate singing and hearing a sermon. But um, it seems like the Christian experience ought to be more than that. Um, and I guess the answer in part is going to be like the discipleship type of stuff. But do you have any um, other thoughts about how um, to make the most of church and building one another up and uh in Christ as Christians? Yeah, no, I I love the question. I think, especially in our time and place, you know, um, Americans tend towards individualism and independence and like to think that we don't need other people to to the degree that we actually do. And Scripture is just really clear that to have a flourishing, abundant life, we need to have a connection with other people and certainly for um, followers of Jesus, like we need connection with other followers of Jesus. And so, yeah, the the um, being uh, committed to a local church body is hugely important, um, both because of those relationships, but also, you know, the preaching of the word um, as, a, as a part of our discipleship, receiving that, the uh, worship um, as a body. Um, I mentioned David Mathis in his book Habits of Grace, but he talks about um, uh, prayer as having the Lord's ear, uh, scripture as having his voice, and uh, the church community as having his body. And so that, and each of those are an integral part of our, our growth, and again, having the life that God wants for us and yeah so I I agree with what you're saying yeah the um, if we just dip in for an hour once a week and then jet right afterwards then we there's benefit there but not uh, not if we are committed to the life of the church the way that um, the Lord would want us and so I think um, you know mentioning mentioning the discipleship you know in particular I think the church, there's three, uh, three relational 
modes of discipleship that we can experience through our church body. One is the 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 the, the whole local church together. So our worship and hearing of the word and um, those things that um, you know that's that form of discipleship the larger church body is an important part of our um, part of our growth and experiences as a believer and then um, I do think that what's often called small groups uh, being uh, being part of a, a, a group of you know, somewhere between uh, oftentimes six and 20 people where you're sharing life together. And it doesn't always have to be um, a uh, organized thing, but that there are people within that church body, especially if your church is uh, not a small church, but there, there's a, a group of people that you're most connecting with and getting together with. And I love the model in Acts 2 that, um, that they're gathering together in homes and eating together and uh, going through scripture together and praying for one another. Um, so that small group, oftentimes that's a co-ed group and people of different ages, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But to have, to have a group of people that you're um, sharing life with as part of your church body. And then the third relational mode of discipleship, I would say, is, again, is that personal discipleship. So that... that um, to, that we would have relationships with, um, you know, two or three other people uh, is probably helpful for to not be co-ed. So if I'm a man, to have uh, these uh, tight-knit uh, relationships with some other men. And um, again, like Paul and Timothy or Jesus and, uh, Jesus and some of the disciples, uh, or the, specifically the Twelve or... Um, Peter, James, and John in particular. And so to have that uh, close close personal discipleship where um, it's uh, really the opportunity to know and be known and uh, to be vulnerable and uh, in a way that you probably wouldn't be in a co-ed group of 20. Um, and there's opportunities. So I think each, each, uh, each of those three uh, avenues of discipleship the larger church body, a small group and then personal discipleship are all I think important parts of the way that we connect with our local church and that's um, without even mentioning like the importance of worship in, in our lives and even when we don't feel like it or whatever that the Lord's using that uh, to make us more like Him is a wonderful thing yeah um I really like what you were saying about, you know, prayers, God, having God's ear, scriptures, having his voice, and then the church is having his body. Because I've kind of um, have longed for like a deeper relationship before and just thinking, can God satisfy that hunger for like an intimate relationship? But I sometimes I get held up by, by thinking, but God doesn't have any skin on, you know, it's like there's no body. But um, what you were saying about the church is his body, and that can be, I think, really motivating to love, you know, which is Jesus' command to love one another, mm-hmm. because this is uh, our interaction with God, both giving and receiving as we love one another. So it's, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the challenge for 
our time for most for most people and maybe maybe men in particular I, I don't know is having I think that that last category of having some deeper relationships um, you know we live in a time where I can have a thousand plus you know Facebook quote unquote friends and so I think there's a real um, you know to have a breadth of to have a breadth of relationships or acquaintances and some degree of friendship is common but to really have those um, a, you know a couple really deep uh, friendships uh, is hugely important and um, you know you know uh, and scripture talks about you know you know kind of a closer than a brother type of uh, friendship uh, I think most of us uh, need or a lot of us need more of that and I think that's part of um, part of uh, what the Lord wants for us as well and so yeah I just think you know, there's there's a quote that you know uh, deep friendships double our uh, double doubles our joys and halves our sorrows and so as you talk about um, experiencing the skin the kind of I think you know having those friendships um, whether it's trouble that comes or joy to share uh, to have uh, to have relationships with some other people who are um, uh, followers of Jesus really helps us like can really help us sense uh, the Lord's care for us and I think especially for uh, those who are, are married the temptation can be to put you know all of our <laughs> all uh, to to hope that our spouse is meeting all of those uh, uh, deep friendship needs and absolutely our, our spouses should be uh, uh, deep friends but I, I think it's neither helpful nor fair to expect them to meet those needs completely and especially to have relationships with those of the same sex um, can have its benefits and um that the Lord wants that for us, that he doesn't want our spouses to be our only deep friends, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, before wrapping up, I was going to ask you about just any kind of uh, routines that are meaningful to you, either spiritual disciplines or practices or something other than that, but just anything that you do or have done in the past that um, it's just, you know, been meaningful in your life yeah no that's I love that question um, I think one of the again I think to think of the spiritual disciplines as first of all as opportunities and uh, secondly to think of them as habits to develop and um, you know I, I recently read a, a book called Atomic Habits it's um a book, uh, not not a Christian author, but describing um, how we can develop habits. And I think it's it was really helpful for me to think of related to habits of grace, um, and to really, I think we underestimate how even just a few minutes of connecting with the Lord that the Lord can use uh, small. Uh, small habits over time to change us 
where, um, you know, for those who are very busy and overwhelmed, that it doesn't have to be uh, 20, 30 minutes or more of spending time with God every day or nothing. You know, that there's to look, um, even getting up five minutes earlier, or uh, especially especially as you're trying to, de- to develop a habit that's not there, um, you know, instead of putting in pressure on myself to read four chapters of scripture each morning so I can get through the Bible in a year, if I can start off with reading even just a paragraph and then looking for one thing in that in that paragraph that I can pray about and reflect on. Um, you know, I think, uh, so that's been really helpful for me to think about what are the kind of these touch points that I can have as I'm developing these habits. And um, yeah, that, that's one of my thoughts. Um, yeah, just to, to not underestimate, you know, so in Atomic Habits, he talks about um, you know, uh, an, an airliner, you know, if it just changes its course by a degree or two over the course of time and space, that can have a, a huge, huge impact. And so I really do believe that even, uh, even as we make small changes in our routines, that, um, that the Lord will use those in big ways over time. And to, you know, I don't, you know, as I, as I connect with the Lord each morning, it doesn't have to be uh, super long. It, it might not feel like fireworks. It might not be like, oh, that's the most amazing experience I've ever had. Um, but to realize, you know, this is good for me. This is, uh, it, and it is changing me. If I do that over time, I will be a different person. So in essence, every time I did it was a small, you know, the Lord was using that in a, some small way. Um, so yeah, that's a couple, couple thoughts off the top of my head. Well, is there, is there just anything else that, um, comes to mind that you'd like to, to bring up any topics before, um, we just kind of wrap it up? Hmm. No, I, I, I've loved the discussion. Yeah, I, I think... I'm encouraged. You're asking really good questions. Um, you know, it's been encouraging me to think about um, my own my own walk with the Lord. And again, I think there's been a theme there of um, just being reminded of like the Lord's desire to know us. Um, and I think, you know, and in the midst of our busyness, everybody talks about how busy they are these days. Just to realize that uh, Jesus is at the standing at the door knocking. And desires that we experience life with Him, hmm. um, you know. I think that that probably can't be emphasized enough. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, thanks, Tim. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Will.